As you prepare for retirement, you'll be faced with many important choices. We want you to make the right ones. Welcome to Financial Choices Matter with Charles Scott. Charles is an accredited investment fiduciary. He's well-equipped to help you make sound financial decisions. We want you to experience a meaningful retirement. On our podcast, we believe financial choices matter. Hey, everybody. Welcome into this edition of Financial Choices Matter with Charles Scott of Peloton Capital Management. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian, along for the ride as we talk about investing, finance, and retirement. How are you, my friend? What's going on? I am just fine. It's night and recording this on a day that's going to be somewhere 75 or 78. It's polony as heck all over the place. So if I sniff or cough, forgive me. Well, but I know I, I know it's not I corona. Know. Right, I know it's right. not coronavirus unless it's, you're going to get it from drinking too many Corona lights. And That's then right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dead man. And then so, and then put a Lyme in there, and you got Lyme disease as well. So. There, yeah, exactly. We've all seen those. I tell you what, I'm saying I'm in the same boat right this minute. Isn't it terribly? It's like it's terrible. Like I woke up this morning not feeling that great, and unfortunately, uh, it has now popped up in our state uh, that I live in. And, you know, one has nothing to do with the other, but I woke up this morning feeling bad and I'm like, I'm not going to tell anybody because I don't want them to beat me with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Everybody's going to run away. Uh, so, and you popped up on our state yesterday at the time we're taping this podcast anyway. And sure as all get out, my wife went out to the store yesterday evening to get a couple things that she'd procrastinated doing. And it was a mad rush for one oh. thing, one case. It's just, know. you know, people overreact. It's crazy. So yeah, I'll say. I could get up on my soapbox and do that, and I got a feeling that we're going to do this conversation anyway. So I'm just going to ask you, because it's your show, what's bugging you today, <laughs> sir? Well, I'll tell you what. I haven't done one of these. If you go back and listen to the first couple of podcasts I ever right. did, we we did the What's Bugging Charles What's Bugging Charles. That's what we're going to do. Yep. And, and this has got nothing to do with epidemics or anything else. Okay. Uh, but I'll tell you, it's been on my mind a lot. And it was a real interesting event that's occurred here in the last, just at the end of last year, where the state of Massachusetts is suing an insurance agent in the state of Massachusetts for giving investment advice. Now, they're not going to think that they're giving investment advice, but I see this all the time. If you've ever gone to a dinner seminar or a workshop at a library and all of that, and someone's saying, hey, you've got dollars in your IRA, you've got things in your 401k, if you're afraid of the market, if you don't want to take a risk in it, you know, whatever the reason is, we can get you into an annuity product or an ins- some other kind of an insurance product. And I'm not picking on the insurance ideas. But what I am picking on is you want to make darn good sure that that person that's making that recommendation is in fact securities licensed because there's a bunch of times they're not. Well, the state of Massachusetts is suing somebody right now. And this is going to be a watershed case, in my opinion, for this guy was giving advice at these kinds of workshops and saying, let's take it out. Let's buy an annuity, blah, 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 you know, calling himself a planner, a retirement specialist, any of those kinds of things, all of which lead people to believe that, oh, he must be securities licensed because he's otherwise, why would he do this? Well, it's really easy why he does it because he's he's trying to skirt the rules of having the securities licenses that you need to have. Right, right. Uh, I call the state of Arizona the securities division here just for clarification because I knew this was transpiring in, in, in Massachusetts. And the guy there that we know said, hey, here's the way we interpret the rules. And each state, depending on you know, the SEC, is going to do it a little bit differently. But the basic premise is, if you're giving any kind of input, advice, suggestion, idea, anything like that, and somewhere down the road to, to, to liquidate a stock or a mutual fund, and somewhere down the road, you get paid some 
kind of compensation. It doesn't have to be directly from that. It could be three months later when they, you know, when they finally get the money moved and buy an annuity from you or buy a life insurance product. If there's compensation directly or indirectly, then it is a securities transaction. And if you're not securities licensed, it's a violation. And that's exactly what this guy was doing. But I see it all the time, all the time. In fact, we were at a workshop of early part of January where someone was promoting a very interesting marketing program to do dinner seminars for people. And I asked the guy point blank that was putting it on, you know, are you securities licensed? Because you're talking about variable annuities, which is a securities product. And he said, no, but I'm not giving advice. And it's not, you know, it's like, yeah, you are giving advice and you're too stupid to know that you're going to get caught someday. So ask them if they're securities licensed. If the, if an IRA account or a 401k account comes up in a conversation with somebody that you don't know for sure that they belong to, that they have any kind of securities registration, ask the question because you're going to, you know, they're going to give you advice that they are not qualified to give. So that's what's been bugging that's me for what's quite been bugging a while. There, yeah. Well, I think, <laughs> I, no, I mean, I think that's a good point because there is so much of, and I know that the government has kicked around some new regulations and they've bounced around some different things and so on and so forth. And, and that there are a lot of people who do push the envelope. So I think you're probably right. I think we're going to probably continue to see more of this down the pike, you know. I, ho- I hope so yeah. because it's, you know, they're giving unqualified advice. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm not telling you how you, uh, that I could do a heart transplant for you. So <laughs> it's the same thing, but different. Well, as a person who's had, had heart surgery, yeah, I definitely would, you know, <laughs> I go ahead and say, so have you done a few of these? You know, it's like that. You see the AT and T commercial. I love the one with the doctor, where the guy goes, "Guess who just got reinstated?" And he comes walking yeah. in, you know, and he's like, "Are you nervous?" Yeah, me too. But we'll figure it out, yeah. you know. Yeah, we'll figure it. Yeah, we'll make it up as we go along. Perfect. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While you're tinkering around inside my innards, no, I'm good. All right. Well, there you go. So that's what's bugging Charles this week here on the podcast. So I think it's something certainly we can pay attention to and and uh, see how things are going to play out with that. But there's a lot. Again, there's a lot of moving parts in this in, in the whole arena. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. but it's all going to take a back seat right now to everything else that's going on. I think anyway, but we'll see. You know, you know it's funny, Charles. We said there was multiple times here on the podcast that 2020 was going to be quite the volatile, interesting year for multiple reasons, <laughs> and it is not disappointing thus far. You know, no, I no, I tell you what, I'm going to take a little detour here, Mark, because you weren't expecting this at sure. all. Sure, no, but it's fine. There, you know, I've got a chart sitting in front of me, and if you're a client of ours, we've you probably got this in. It is an email from us a couple of days ago. Uh-huh. Uh, well, earlier, we were recording this early in March, so you would have gotten it first week of March. Okay. Um, this takes a look at epidemics and stock market performance, which I thought was a really interesting thing. It goes back 40 years. I've seen some of that, yeah. Have you seen yeah. it? Okay, I just think it's fascinating. It is. That out of 12 events over that, that go back, back to 1981, the average rate of return six months after uh, an outbreak was 8.8%. The average 12-month return was 13.6%. Yeah. It yep. has no impact. It has no yep. long-term impact. Six months is not that long a term. Right. It has no impact. Uh, these things are scary as heck, and they're deadly, obviously. Sure. Yeah, very much uh, so. But uh, it's from a financial panic point of view, don't do it. Well, you know, um, and, and that's a good point. I was going to ask you about that because we, I, you have seen so much stuff. And I, granted, you know, every situation is different. You know, you never know how things are going to go. We're in a different, you know, period. But yeah, if you look back on these, it's almost always, it's kind of creepy. Like they were all close to the same numbers and they all rebounded fairly close to the same amount of time. 
And, you know, somebody might say, well, I'm retiring soon, so I'm really worried about... And obviously, the massive amount of the drop of, of two weeks ago, 10 days ago, I guess, at the time we're taping this, was probably what scared most people. The fact that it was the single, what, 10% in a week, basically? Yeah, that's that's a pullback. It's yeah. not a correction. It's, right. not a, it's not a catastrophe. But it was, but people, but it was scary because it was all at one time. Oh, sure. I know. Yeah. You, here, here's my analogy. You're going up the stairs, you get to a landing, you take a right, and you keep going up steps, right? Mm-hmm. You said you're going you're going from the first floor to the second floor. Right. You get three steps up past the landing, you trip and fall back to the landing, but you only go to the landing. You're not going all the way down to the ground floor. Yeah. It nice. always goes down faster than it goes up. Oh yeah. Yeah. It just does. And yeah. so you gotta have a plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and hopefully, you know, most you know, a lot of folks learned from oh eight, oh nine, right? Uh, so a lot of our listening audience is, is retirees and pre-retirees. So, you know, it's been 10, 11 years since then. So you're probably, you know, if you're in your 50s plus now, you're probably in your 40s then. It was kind of scary, but uh, you still knew you had plenty of time. And, and even now, I think it's one of the situations where, you know, overreacting and panic to anything, even from a health standpoint, like getting all yeah. worried that you're going to catch it, you know, is yep. is not the way to go about doing things. Be smart, be diligent, have a plan, you know. If you're in a going to a crowded area, you know, maybe take some hand sanitizer. You know, just do some common basics and stuff that you would do like any other, you know, season, flu season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Common yeah. sense. Rarest commodity in the world. That there was always go. my father's point of view. Well, that was a great point of view for sure. Uh, all right, well, let's do a couple email questions and then we'll wrap this up for this week. Let's see what we got for you. We got, uh, let's go with Tanner in Scottsdale. And he says, uh, Charles, we had kids later in life than most people, so they're going to be in college when we're uh, ready to retire. Should we make them get student loans instead of trying to come up with the money to pay for tuition ourselves after we're into retirement? We've heard it a lot. And to me, there's only one even remotely logical answer. And that is your kids can borrow to go to college. You cannot borrow to retire. Nobody's doing that yet, are they? No businesses started up with that model. It hasn't worked that way. You know, make sure they understand. I mean, we've, we've coached, counseled, advised, taught a few hundred people that have kids wanting to go go to school and they're woefully unprepared. I have to be candid about it. They're woefully unprepared. Uh, that's been our experience. But just make sure you understand how it works. Our girls went to college. Uh, they had student loans because that was a choice that they wanted to have. And we, we talked it all the way through. Make sure you understand how it all works. But taking money from your retirement to pay for college, they've got, you know, if they're 15 years old or 18 years old today, they've got 60 plus years, 70 years, 80 years to pay it back. Just don't, don't jeopardize your retirement. You love them to death, but <laughs> you're, it's just a astronomically bad idea in our opinion. Always has been, always will be. If you didn't plan already, then I don't know, maybe shame on you, but true, true. Don't, don't jeopardize your retirement. Well, then it turns into like a, it can get into the cyclical effect too, right, Charles, where we start, and that's where, where a lot of the sandwich generation and things starts happening you know, where, you know, if you sacrifice some of your retirement money to help the kids, then you're going to have to lean on the kids when they are out of college and getting their first jobs to take, take care of you. And it's just bad juju all the way around, right? Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. It, yeah, it's, I'll give you the example. And I may have said this on a previous podcast. Sure. We asked people when they came in after we realized this was a, a standard trait. How old was your child when you realized they were probably bright enough to go to college? And you had that wish for them. And they'd say, oh, I don't know, second grade, third grade. We say, okay, did you start saving for college right then? Well, and then we get this blank stare. Well, no. Well, how are you going to pay for it? 
that's why we're here to talk to you. And they're a junior in high school right now. It's like, you guys just don't have a clue. I'm sorry. And, you know, so you, you can't, you, we always you told them, we can't spin straw into gold for you. But you didn't plan at all. People don't plan. I mean, they just don't plan. It is frustrating. And the college thing is really scary because, you know, it's right. You know, it happens and then bam, they're done. And uh, it's yeah, it, I don't have a great solution for it. It's, you know, certainly in the, the six, our girls both went to the University of Arizona from the first they're two years apart from the time the first one started and the, till the second one graduated. And they both got done in four years. The cost of going to the University of Arizona went up by 50 percent. So wow, know, it's yeah. scary. I it's we totally get it that it's scary. Yeah. But you gotta have a you gotta have some kind of a plan in place. And exactly. borrowing from your retirement money is not it. That ain't it, as they say. All right, cool. Well, absolutely. So great question. Thank you so much for submitting that. We certainly appreciate it. Have a conversation with your advisor, start working with them, start looking at other options uh, that you may or may not have. If you're not working with someone, well then reach out to Charles, let him know. Tanner and get on the counter, start having a chit chat with them, see if they can possibly help you figure out some things other than sacrificing your retirement. All right. So one more question this week and then we'll wrap up and it's from Denver and Mesa. And that's kind of a cool name, Denver. Uh, anyway, Denver says how much long-term care coverage is recommended. It seems like there are hundreds of different policy options. Not sure where to start. It can be overwhelming. The thing that we are seeing, uh, the, the long-term care world has changed dramatically in the last decade or two. There used to be when long-term care was first introduced many, many years ago, there were, I don't know, 100 or 120 companies providing different long-term care policies. Uh, there's about a dozen now. And because they woefully mispriced the product, they had no idea. They thought the actuaries in the insurance companies got it so wrong that all those other companies have just said, we can't afford to do this anymore. So they're out. They're out of the long-term care business. But what's happened is that they have, there are now hybrid kinds of long-term care policies where it might be attached to an annuity, it might be attached to a life insurance, where you've got some asset-based, I mean, there's all kinds of different ways to slice it and dice it. So, I mean, you're asking the, the, the question of how much am I going to need? And, you know, there's a whole bunch of questions that we would have to ask back in response to sort of help ascertain what that number might actually be. But there's a whole bunch of different ways to, to do it now. And the biggest benefit of these new kinds of policies is that in the old days, it used to be if you didn't have have long-term care, then all the premiums you paid for all those years went down to drain. It's kind of like car insurance. If you never have a car accident, you never have to use your car insurance. You pay for it. The new ones have the ability to still have an asset there. It's not a use it or lose it situation anymore. And we find that way more creative and gives a whole lot more people the option of doing you know better, more efficient long-term care planning. So you still got to be able to qualify medically for some of this stuff, but on some of them, you also don't have to. So right, it's right. just, you know, it's a, there's still a lot to choose from. It's just a, it, to me, a, a way simpler way of looking at it because there aren't just that many variables and so many other insurance policy possibilities that you used to have. So smaller in this case is probably better, but these smaller ideas are way more creative and better ideas from a planning point of view. So, all right. You know, well, there you go. Well, thank you again so much for the question, Denver. We appreciate it. Uh, as always, folks, if you hear anything on the show that you're, uh, piques your interest or you want to learn more about, before you take any action on something, always check with a qualified professional. Check with your financial advisor. If you're not working with one and you're considering uh, making a change, maybe getting a second opinion or just a first opinion because you've been dragging your feet, well, then reach out to Charles and let him know. Uh, they'll be happy to chat with you at uh, 480 513 1830. 
That's 480-513-1830. You can always subscribe to the podcast on Google, Apple, Spotify, iHeartStitcher, various platforms out there. You can simply search Financial Choices Matter in whatever podcasting platform you choose, or you can go to Charles's website, which is pelotoncapital.com. That is pelotoncapital.com, P-E-L-L-E-T-O-N, capital.com. And my friend, thank you so much for your time this week. I'll see you soon, and we'll do another one of these, but I hope you have a great week. Thanks, Mark. Same to you. We'll see you next time, folks. Stay safe out there, and uh, try not to overpanic. And if you have questions, (laughs) reach out to somebody, and we'll talk to you soon here on Financial Choices Matter with Charles Scott. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. 